Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, say I do. I do. Can I get a little boomer? Man, which one was louder? Called them out. Just kidding. I love you guys. Hey, let's pray. Father, we come to you now, and we just thank you for you. And we just ask you just to uh, be in this place and be in the atmosphere. And Lord, let us just be able to learn a little bit more through your word. And Lord, let's just be able to hear it. Let's be able to take it in. And let us be able to live it. Lord, be with us tonight. Lord, be with me. Uh, Let your word just speak through me. Let it be powerful. Uh, Just thank you for you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, seniors. You hate it when I do this, don't you? Well, we got like five weeks left with y'all, maybe? Four weeks? Gosh. Hey, listen, didn't somebody tell y'all like four years ago, like, hey, it's going to go by quick. You better enjoy it, right? That must have been a really wise man. Um, but man, how quick has these last four years gone, right? Like, like a vapor, right? Any, like, listen, I think for the next, next four weeks, um, find you a freshman and, or sophomore and be like, hey, listen, this is what I've learned in the last four years and you need to know it, okay? Like that's discipleship. You're welcome, okay? Tell them about Jesus and what you have learned in college. I remember when I was Uh, In college, I was like really afraid, like freshman to junior year, I was like, man, graduation's just around the corner, I better enjoy it, right? Like, and like I was, it was like in the back of my mind, anybody with me, like freshman, sophomore, like, man, graduation, I'm so, isn't it crazy though, seniors, let's be honest, for the majority of us, not all of us, but isn't it crazy how God prepares you, like for the next season? It's like, you're sad to leave, but you're excited where you're going, right? And like, I know some of you are like, no, I don't want to leave. Like, college is it. Like, like, I understand that. But for the majority of us, it's like God prepares you for what's next. Now, listen, I know you juniors right now, you're freaking out. Like, what am I supposed? I don't have a major yet, right? Like, listen, you need to get your act together. You need to grow up, okay? Like, <laughs> come on now. But, hey, you follow Jesus and he'll take care of you, amen? All right. I started off in business and somehow ended up in ministry. And like, hey, follow Jesus and he took care of me. But tonight, we are going to continue our series on, uh, I, I, hate, I hate titles, we can call it spiritual disciplines or disciplines, and we're going to be looking through a chapter of a book that changed the trajectory of my life. This is one of the, the top five books of my life. Uh, obviously, the Bible is number one. This might be number two, might be number three of the books that changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I think I read it for the first time my senior year of college, uh, and it has been huge. It has been a blessing. It's called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. If you don't have it, buy it. I think it's like $16, um, and it is worth your read. It is worth your time. If you want to grow your relationship with Jesus, that book will help you do it. And I love his outlook on worship. We're going to talk about the, the, the discipline of worship and what that looks like for us. 
Now listen, I can't hit every point that Richard Foster hits in his book on worship. I think it's like 16 pages and it's just, it is amazing, all right? Um, so this is my ask, is for y'all to get the book. I think this would be a great book for y'all to maybe get a small group with and y'all go over it for the next four or five weeks that you have left in school because I'm telling you, it will be worth your time. So we're going to be looking at worship. My question to you is, how many of us know who Matt Redman is? Anyone? All right. What about Chris Tomlin? Anybody know? Okay, there we go. Got a little bit more. Well, Matt Redman was the Chris Tomlin of the 90s. All right. Now, given Matt Redman is still writing some great songs today. He is a great singer-songwriter. Uh, but there's a story about Matt Redman back in his earlier days when he was um, a worship minister at a church. And um, their church was going through something. They started seeing, him and his pastor started seeing like, Worship just wasn't hitting at their church. And, it, and there was like this, this like struggle with their worship. And worship wasn't really worship the way that the Bible was explaining it to them. So him and his pastor, they, uh, the, them as a staff, they decided to make a decision. And they decided to take away all the band. They decided to take away all the music, all the instruments, all the fancy lights for a moment of time. And then they would bring in the church congregation, they would pray, and then they would teach over the next, I think it took two months. They took the next two months and they taught on worship and what worship looked like biblically and what worship could look like for their church. And so during that time, Matt Redman actually wrote a song that maybe a lot of us know. Now listen, I'm not going to sing that song because my worship day, my worship minister days are over. And yes, I used to lead worship. How embarrassing, okay? All right, my first time that my wife heard me sing, she just leans over nicely and says, why don't you stick to preaching and let me do the singing, okay? And we have done that ever since. But this is what the, uh, this is what the song reads, okay? When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, Longing, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, and it's all about you, Jesus. In one of the interviews later on, when someone was asking him about this song, he, he stated that the church learned so much about worship, and it was so much more than just a Sunday activity, but it was a weekly lifestyle, and worship was supposed to be special and intimate and something that, that they could look, look forward to doing, not only sometimes, but frequently. And he said, once that the church realize that worship is when your spirit connects with God's spirit, then the church just changed. And it changed trajectory. It changed just the, just the spiritual atmosphere in the church. And he goes, it lit a fire in the church so much so that this church changed the community that we were in. And people wanted to be a part of it because they wanted to experience Jesus in a way that they have never experienced it 
before. He goes, once we learned how to worship right, everything changed. Some of us in here right now, we need to learn how to worship right because I promise you everything will change in your life. Richard Foster in his book states that worship is to experience reality. Worship is to experience reality, to touch life. It is to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of a gathered community. It is breaking into the Shekinah of God, or better yet, being invaded by the Shekinah of God. This Hebrew term, Shekinah, means the dwelling of God's glory. When we worship the dwelling of God's glory and His magnitude, it invades our life. As many of us heard, like in Matthew 18, when, when two or three are gathered in my name, what does it say? I will be there. It's a promise that He will be there. It is a time when a community comes together and the dwelling of God invades their life. So how do we do this? How do we do this worship thing? Scripture's not silent on this matter. You can actually look at Scripture and probably provide a lot of answers to a lot of questions you have about this life. But especially on worship, it is not silent on it. John 4, 23, this is Jesus talking to the lady at the well, and it says this, But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people, underline that, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, don't miss this, students. The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So that means that worship starts with Him calling us to Him, and it ends with us answering the initiative. Now, I've heard some of you guys sing, all right? Some of y'all have beautiful voices, and others of you are rather loud. Amen, hallelujah. All right, you're, you're really loud, actually, okay? And you're so loud, it's like, are you trying to wake up God to come into worship with you, all right? It's a joke, but it's true. But, but this is where I went wrong with my worship. This is where I was wrong when I was at your age. This is, this is where my mentality was when it came to worship either at church or the college ministry that I attended is that I was trying to call down Jesus and answer my call to worship. And when I didn't feel it, when I didn't get the feels, when I didn't get the goosies, when I didn't get the holy hug, right? Like I just stopped. Like I just would sing at that point and just, it would just sit there and just sing songs and I never got connected to God. And it says clearly here, it's, it's God who seeks, it's God who draws, it's God who persuades. Worship is the human response to the divine initiative. Scripture is full of examples of God's effort to initiate, to restore, and to maintain fellowship 
with his children. God is like the father of the prodigal son. When he saw his son coming, he came running towards his son to meet him. Our worship is the response to the advances of love from the heart of our father. So how do we do it? It says it right here. It says we must do it with two things. We must do it with spirit and we must do it with truth. In spirit, he is saying that worship doesn't happen unless the Spirit of God touches our human spirit. Now, if anyone in here who has ever felt that worship experience, if you've ever felt His Spirit touch your spirit, it's breathtaking. It is, it is glorious. It's, it's addictive. You know what I'm talking about? It is addictive when you are sitting in the presence of God and you know it's you and you know it's God and it is one of the most addictive things that we could ever do. Now some of us, we can do all the rituals we can do all the practices. We can do everything. We can lift our hands high. We can do jumping jacks. I've seen people do jumping jacks for Jesus and crossover before. All right? Now listen, you might be holy and you might be working on your worship game, right? You might hold your hands down here. You might hold the TV or the big screen TV, right? <laughs> you, might, you might be the fish is this big worshiper, right? <laughs> might be the hold the baby, Right? You might be the Mufasa, right? What about the heartburners, right? Come on now. We got the pointers, the hatchet, the classroom, the YMCA, the Rocky, right? And you can't leave that touchdown. Come on now. You know, maybe that would be a good sign of finding your soulmate, right? Like, oh, dang, she's got the Mufasa? Okay. Hey, you got the Mufasa, I got the Mufasa. Can I get your number, right? What? We're not going to come up with this stuff. <laughs> but listen, we can do all these two techniques, we can do all these methods, we can do all of this. We can hurry up, get in here, raise our hands, and try to worship Jesus. But if we have not, but we have no worship until His Spirit touches our spirit. We can't have worship until his spirit touches our spirit. Second is this, is in truth. We might not only have it in spirit, but we need to have it in truth. We must be able to worship in truth because we have to have the correct vision of who God is and what God has done. When his spirit touches our spirit, there should be a response, which is truth. But our truth should have a couple things happening. This is a little bit of Richard Foster, and this is a little bit of Brent Russell here, is that there should be an amazement and awe for who God is and for what God has done for you. Like the enormity of the fact that the God of the universe who has created and sustains everything with his vastness and with his might, that is the God that I am connecting with right now. We see his love as creator. He is glorious. He is powerful. He is all-knowing. And our worship is truth because we know the truth about who God is. But there's another truth. We see what God has done. 
We see that he has brought us from death to life. He has crossed us over from death to life. He has sent his son to come and die for our stead. He came and lived and died a miserable death so we could have a life and a life abundantly. He didn't only, and he ripped us out from the depths of hell and he gives us a victory and an eternity in heaven forever with him right by his side to have a relationship with him forever. We have that truth because we know who God is and we know what God has done. The pervasive sinfulness of human beings becomes evident when contrasted with the radiant holiness of God. Our fickleness becomes apparent once we see God's faithfulness. We don't understand his grace until we understand our guilt. Therefore, truth is not only worshiping for who he is, but also worshiping for what he has done. And that truth sends us to our knees, begging him to forgive us, begging him to look over, look, look into us and save us from self-righteousness and pridefulness. And because when we see how good and perfect he is, it always illuminates how much we are fallen short, how much we need him. And then we see how much, we, how much he has already done done and what he will do for the remainder of our life. Spirit connects with spirit, deep cries to deep, and that moment is when you and the God of the universe are in communication. C.S. Lewis writes, in the process of being worshipped, God communicates his presence to men, which means, and it makes sense, why he acts first. Because God knows that he doesn't need anything from us, but he knows that we need everything from him. So now to the real question. How do we enter into this worship? How do we get to that point? How do we prepare for it? Many of, many of you know what I'm asking. Like, How do we get to that point of feeling the presence and being in awe, being in that way? There are some steps to prepare us for that. And then, and I could use this great Greek word that I can't really pronounce very well, but I'll just tell you what it means. How's that sound? It means that we need to come in here with holy expectations. How do we get to the point of becoming in the process of worship and we can connect with God? We've got to have holy expectations. The first step to holy expectations is, I believe, is our daily step of holy expectation. We live... We, we, while living out the demands of our day, we are filled with inward worship and adoration. And what that means is, is what I believe that Foster is trying to say is we need to tune the frequency of our life to, the, to channel God's voice. And listen, if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, if you have Jesus Christ within you, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, listen, you got that channel in your head, I promise you. Just a lot of us mute it. And what we need to do is we need to be able to turn on that channel in our mind. And when we are washing dishes to walking outside, we need to be listening for God. And we need to be in communication with God from doing your laundry to walking all the way across campus, right? Maybe when you're walking across campus, you hear some birds singing and you just think, man, God loves me. Like, 
Like if he can take care of the birds as much as he does, how much more can he take care of me? Maybe you see two cars honking, and it might be me honking at somebody else. I don't know, all right? But you think, man, how loving is God and patient is God with me when I make mistake after mistake after mistake, and he still loves me, and he's covered my sins now and for eternity. Maybe you see a mom walking with her kids on the sidewalk, and you think, man, how blessed am I to have such a loving family that you allowed me to be with and be a part of, and they loved me, and they showed me who you were. And you just fall more in love, and you're tuning your ear, and, and, and then God's speaking and saying, man, why don't you go love on that person and cross over and just tell them about me? Or, man, you see that person sitting over there across, across the classroom? Why don't you just go love on them and just, maybe you don't even have to say anything, just, just show them that you have presence there. And Foster says, to live throughout the week as an heir of the kingdom, listening to his voice, obeying his word. And since you have heard his voice throughout the week, you know that you will hear his voice as you gather in public worship. If you have, if you have heard from him day by day and you've trained your ears to listen and your soul to connect to him, how much clearly do you think you can connect with him when thousands of people are answering the invitation to his worship in this room? You can hear him so much more. Some of us, Maybe we haven't connected with God during worship in quite some time because we haven't connected with him during the week in quite some time. Now let's look back 2,000 years from now. Here's a little history for you in Acts chapter 4. We, talk, we, we hear about the early church and this was before lights and worship and beautiful women that birthed great children and marry very good looking dudes. That's my wife. Some people don't know that my wife is a singer up here, all right? She's mine, all right? She's my rib. But um, some of y'all get that later. Uh, early church, though, these men would meet together. These, this people group would meet together, let's just say that. And they would go into this room, and they would know without a shadow of a doubt that God was going to move. They knew it. They knew that he was going to be there and he was going to do something great. And they would come into the room and they wouldn't say a word to each other. Outside of the room they did. Inside this room they would not say or do anything until the Spirit provoked them to do so. They came with ex expecting God to do something and when he did it, it was beautiful. One of them showed up and uh, and, and one of the times God showed up and he made a huge earthquake and, he, and, and, and it rumbled the whole room and it was, it was big and it, and it said it actually terrified a lot of other people, but it didn't terrify them. They, instead of them being frightened, they were empowered and they were strengthened because they were connected with Christ and they know it was him showing them more of who he was. 
They came in knowing that their holy father was going to do something. They would come in with their brokenness knowing that God would restore them. They would come in with their hurts and pains and stresses and they would lay them down at the feet of Jesus and they would just worship him in spirit and in truth knowing that he was going to take care of his children. He was there to teach them, to restore them, to rebuke them, to love them and to grow and rejoice with them they came into that place ready, locked and loaded to experience God. Do we come here expecting God to do great things through your worship? Some of us need to know that we serve a great God and he wants to connect with you in such a powerful and mighty way. He wants to take your problems. He wants to take your pains. He wants to take your sickness. We got to come here expecting him to be God, do we have this type of expectancy with our God? How cool would it be? How cool would it be if we just showed up just a little early to crossover? And maybe we just started preparing our hearts when we came closer to this building. Maybe, maybe just maybe. All right? How cool would it be if maybe you took a couple holy laps around this perfectly square building and you were just trying to get in tune with God, and you're trying to maybe shrug off some things that were, were happening in your life. You know, God, listen, I need to give you this. I need to give you my grades. I need to give you my family situation right now. And Lord, listen, by the time that I enter into this building, I want to expect you to just do great things tonight. Not only for me, but I want to see you do great things in other people. Maybe you need to shrug off some bad stuff in your life and just be able to get your, your, your mind back on God. And maybe you need to quit thinking about school and thinking about problems and thinking about this. And, and how cool would it be if we had 100 people walking around this building just getting prepared because we're expecting God to do something holy in this place. That would change the atmosphere. That is coming with expectancy of God to come. And listen, he wants, to, he wants to be there. He wants to do that. He wants you to follow that way. He wants you to come with expectancy. And when you walk with expectancy, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, lives will change. But Foster goes on from preparing to actually worshiping. Like once you enter this building, what does that look like when we start worshiping? First, we need to still our creaturely activity and we need to slow down. Anybody need to slow down in their life right now? Come on, all right? Some of, need, some of y'all need to speed up in life? Come on now, right? When we come to worship, God is looking for those people who've been actively walking in his presence. And he's looking for the person that lives and breathes and walks and talks and reads and acts in the manner led by Christ. Habakkuk 2.20 says this. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And when we walk into this place with holy expectation, I believe that we need to sit down in silence and we need to still our creaturely habits and ask, Lord, what would you have me do right now? And while this place is for fun and for fellowship, this is first and foremost a place 
of worshiping and, and collaborating with Jesus and, and, and finding the Shekinah, the dwelling of God's glory. And when you still the activity of your flesh, you activate the Holy Spirit. And when you come in dragging because life has been beating the junk out of you and you need some Jesus tonight, imagine just for a few moments to sit still and calm your mind and your heart and your nerves and you don't worry about who's sitting to the left of you or to the right of you. You don't, you don't worry about who's not sitting next to you. And, you co- and, and on Tuesday nights or on Sunday mornings, your goal is to connect with, with an open hand of worship that your Father has extended out to you because you expect great things to happen when you worship. Now, true worship and praise will, will probably affect your body in such ways. I think, it will, I think it will affect your body in some form or manner. Now, Brent, listen, when I worship, like, like, I don't sing very well. I sound like a dog that got hit by a car, right? Like, anybody with me? Okay, right? Well, I've heard some of you. But listen, beyond, beyond that, Brent, I don't clap. I don't dance. I don't have rhythm. Brent, Brent, listen, I don't raise my hands because I didn't put any deodorant on, and there's a pretty girl next to me, like, bro, right? Like, but listen, the Hebrew word for worship means prostrate, not prostate, but prostrate. <laughs> and that means to lay down face flat on the floor because you are so humbled by the majesty of God that you get into the lowest imaginable place possible to glorify Him. The Hebrew word for bless is to kneel. When was the last time that we were in the Shekinah of God and we bowed our knee, not so you can be blessed, but so He can be blessed? There are many more forms. You know, there's thanksgiving in Hebrew means to extend out your hands. It says that we can bow our head or lift our head up and our eyes up. And then my favorite is that we can have ash and sackcloth. Like, if you come to crossover in a burlap sack with ash all over you, like, that's varsity worship there, all right? <laughs> like, that's top notch. Like, I'm worshiping God tonight. But in all seriousness, should we be asking what type of worship fits you, or should we be asking what type of worship is appropriate for our God? Like, it's not about you. Worship isn't about you. You want to know where, why we are reserved so many times during worship is because most of the time we are worried about what other people are going to think about us. Maybe, just maybe, let me extend that this guy to Holy Spirit moment, maybe some of us we don't worship because we're ashamed of the lifestyle that we've been living. It's not that we think, uh, we, don't, we don't think that God thinks it's ridiculous. It's because we worry, about, we worry more about what other people think of us. We care more about, the per, about other people, how they think about us, than we do about accepting the Spirit's call for our spirit to connect with Him. Imagine if you just could come here for an hour and you were provoked by the Spirit and you listened with Him and you praised Him and you worshiped Him and you got on your knees and you raised your hands because you understood who Christ was and 
and you understood what he had done for you and his spirit ignited yours and you left all your fears, your tears, your worries at the feet of Jesus and you praised him with everything that you are, how much more likely do you think you would worship Christ outside of this room when you experience him inside of this room? Listen, corporate worship begins with holy expectations of Jesus doing something in your life And guess what it ends with? It ends with holy obedience. It starts with holy expectation and it ends with holy obedience. Because when when your spirit connects with his spirit and you worship, worship him with spirit and truth, you have a holy expectancy of him doing something amazing during your worship. And he does. And you will only want to start listening to him and start giving him everything and start glorifying him in all that you do. And obedience happens when worship happens.